I'm Darren Garrahy, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to the moment where if they didn't laugh, they'd cry. If you're too cold, you should definitely keep your your socks on. Keep your socks on. If they were saying we're cold all the time, so keep your socks on because your heat, you lose heat through your feet. They said, that's a great idea. And then I walked past the room and they were wearing nothing except socks. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. You know- <laughs> Bending over, cleaning something. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Singer, poet and activist Imelda May is my guest this week. She talks to me about a childhood filled with laughter, proving the poetry naysayers wrong and her love for a good glass of red. This series of the podcast is brought to you by Aussie Hair. And although they're a fun and vibrant and lighthearted brand, one thing they take extremely seriously is sustainability. Aussie Hair products are cruelty free and recyclable and the beige bottle is recyclable too. All of the Australian ingredients are farmed using traditional farming methods and hand harvesting where possible. Aussie never tests on animals and is proud to be a PETA certified cruelty free brand. Win win. Now for my chat with Imelda. Hope you enjoy. Imelda May, you are extremely welcome to the laughs of your life. Hi. Okay, so where in the world are you at the moment just so we can paint the picture? Um, I'm in Hampshire, um, in where I live. Lovely. In the countries. How have things been for you? Grand, mad, you know, uh, just promoting at the moment this album, but it's been bonkers, you know, writing and mixing and making the album and getting it out all during lockdown has been a challenge. And trying to do, you know, photos to get it all ready for, to, you know, for the album covers and all. And, having to, to, to do it literally in forests down the road because everywhere was shut. So just rambling down the road with a camera. <laughs> so it's been, it's good. And I'm promoting like mad because I'm so proud of this album. I'm very happy to see what happens with it, you know, giving me the best shot. Good. Okay, let's yeah. get started with our questions, Imelda. Your First memory of laughter? I don't have, I can't tell you one first memory of laughter because, and I'm sure you get loads of people saying that to you, because the house that I grew up in was just, just mad and it was full of laughter all the time. I can't, I can't remember life without laughter, which is a nicer way, I think, of looking at it. Um, We had, there was all seven of us in two bedroom house. There was mostly about 16 people for dinner. I think minimum. There was always somebody in popping in. There was always an argument or a debate or something going, like somebody waiting on the... There was one toilet, so it was normally about that. Um, um, and we'd sit around and we had this big sofa. And I remember my dad covered it in a brown leatherette or something, I think it was. And he... We, we used to, I think it was orange at one point, and we used to pull that into the middle of the room because it was back at the wall, so we had room, and we'd pull that into the middle of the room. We'd all sit and watch telly together, and I, we'd all sit on the floor, the younger ones would sit on the floor, and that's just kind of the madness of the house. You know, I remember once my brother decided to make canoes, the house was full of canoes, somebody else wanted to 
get into tandem bikes, tap dance, and it was always kind of noise and laughter and arguments. And I mean, like bickering, you know, normal, normal looking for something that you couldn't, who stole my shoes, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I was going to say, with the one bathroom, yeah. how the hell did you all, like the teenage years, <laughs> how did you do that? I don't know how we did it. That's just, that was just, I just there, normal. But that's what was normally the arguments were about. Or when I say who stole me shoes, we had a cubby hole under the stairs and all of our shoes were flung in there. So when you were trying to get out in a hurry, you'd have to open that, that press and get in and dig into a mountain of shoes. But you'd always find one. <laughs> and so, when, you say, when you say there'd be 16 over for dinner, would that be family or would it be neighbours or what? Those family and neighbours, and then as people had kids, our boyfriends and husbands, girlfriends, always my mum's sister and her husband. Um, and it just, it just was always a gang, you know? My brother says he doesn't remember going anywhere without children that we, he didn't know. My mum would always have loads of kids, but she'd always have strangers' kids. Say, oh, I'll take them with me. Come on, let's go. And he was like, I, I got sick of not having me mountain to myself. She was always looking after strangers. <laughs> it takes a village. It takes a village. Yeah. So I can't, like I said, I can't remember. We dress up for Halloween and there was always messing, you know, and games and playing tricks on each other. And I don't remember life without laughter. What was it like being the youngest of five? Brilliant. I mean, I had its ups and downs. They all say that I was spoiled. I got more attention which I did um, because I was so much younger than them. They were all at school. So I was at home with mom on my own, which none of the others got that. Because um, there was a big age gap. between. I was the surprise child. and But but also, I think they were a bit more chill when it got to me. They, they'd say it's grand. Don't, like I'd, they'd open the door, I'd go out to play, and they wouldn't see me again until the evening. You know, they were much more easy on. Um, they didn't care if I got door time dresses. It was like, yeah, it's grand. <laughs> but also because I was, at, they were all gone. I suppose they noticed some of the things I was getting up to, maybe a bit more, which I hated, because they'd all be. It was. It was mostly. It was me at home, and I was. There wasn't as much distraction. I was. I'm the youngest as well. Only of three, but I. Like in terms of laughter, all I ever wanted to do was make my older siblings laugh because that I felt like that made me cool in their eyes if I could make them laugh. Were you a performer when you were small? And if so, like, were you that for your siblings or was it just something you discovered later? Oh, no, I was a performer. They'd sit me up on, I remember they'd sit me up on the, at the end of the bed and they'd get me, I, I remember really early memory, I must be only about three and I was telling the story of St. Patrick. And I remember, I remember them putting me up, standing me on the toilet and making me say S and roar and laughing at me because I had a lisp when I was a baby. Things like that. They'd sit me on the end of the bed and make me say something. So I think I enjoyed, I enjoyed that and I'd play up to it. Um, I remember my dad put metal bits in my shoes and gave me a plank of wood to tap dance behind the sofa as they were all watching telly, you know, if they were watching a, a, a musical, I'd be tap dancing behind the sofa. <laughs> so you had, um, a love, you had a love for it early on? Yeah. Okay, the first time you felt laughed at Imelda? 
I was thinking of this question and I I um oh, there was loads of times when I was a kid. Um there was lo you know, as as you do, there's loads of times when you're a kid. And I remember but I'll tell you I'll tell you one I can't I won't tell you one that's the first time. I'll just tell you one that rather than rather than go there, I think when I was older, um, I was a teenager and I was dating this fella. And we were going out on this first date and my sister somebody told me, if you wash your hair with egg, it makes it really shiny. And I thought, that's brilliant. That's what I'm going to do. And I did that and we went out on this date and he was really tall. And I remember as we were walking along and all we were flirting and all, I was a goth at the time, so I was in my full black and a black lace and heels, me dark eyes. I was thought I was looking cool, you know. And um, I thought he's mad about me. He keeps staring at me, you know. I thought I have this in the bag. He's mad about me. And then he said to me, uh, "Also, that stuff in your hair." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and I looked. And apparently, you're not supposed to wash out with water because what I did was I boiled the egg into me and I loads of little white bits of egg in me. All I just washed out with cold water. Scrambled egg in my head. No. Oh <laughs> and yes laughed at me and I nearly died. <laughs> I think I was about 16, you know, 17, that age, right? You're, you're trying so hard to be cool. Well, hang on. Did he shift you anyway? <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> what, what were you like in, in school? What was the amount Like, I know you started in the music industry really young. Was it 16? Yeah. So how did school go for you then? Well, I finished school at 16. Um, so, um, school was okay. I wasn't mad on it. I, I used to daydream a lot. <laughs> and uh, I had uh, I had a really bad back. I had an injury uh, as a kid and I was in hospital. Um, from when I was about 12, I was in hospital a lot. And um, so I found it hard. I'm one of, actually speaking, I think maybe that's why I avoid one of the times but laughed at one of the teachers used to laugh at me all the time for being in hospital and for the I used to have loads of bruises on my arms for from all the blood tests they'd be trying to find out what was going on. So I wasn't mad on it. Um there was a couple of teachers that I liked. The kids were fab. I loved all the kids. We had we had a good time ourselves. But I think it it's just not set up for um creatives I don't think it just doesn't it's like a it's not it's not um doesn't lend itself well to creatives do you feel so, do you feel lucky that you were from a family that encouraged you to 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 be creative and to flex your creative muscles because I know you know there are you know there are so many families who maybe if their child is you know, a brilliant singer, a brilliant dancer, whatever it might be, they kind of go, no, that's not, you need to do something real. Oh, no, I, if I hadn't, if I hadn't got me the family that I had, I'd die. They were just, you know, I don't know, I would have been totally lost. 
Um, or maybe not, you know, I suppose they're probably part of the reason why I am the way I am. But they never, I was never, ever told get a proper job. In fact, pro- probably the opposite. You'd be on go for it. <laughs> Enjoy yourself, do it. I want to live my life through you. <laughs> be my stage child. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I'm lucky. Okay, Imelda, the moment if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Um, there's loads of them. There's absolutely loads of them. Um, uh, I think with my girlfriends, there's loads of times like that all the time. But I think it would be, there was a, a moment when there was a headstone when my granddad, oh, that's right, my granddad was getting buried and it was more my uncle's moment rather than mine. And I saw my uncle Michael start to shake with laughter as the coffin of his dad was going down. We were going, Michael, what's going on? And he said, have a look at that. And we looked and that granddad, the, his name was Houdini. And they were like, get out of that one. <laughs> and it, it ends up with a big gang of us as the coffin's going down and me grand at all of us roaring laughing looking at the headstone next to him it's <laughs> so, probably that there's always uh, yeah I think there's always a moment you need relief especially at an Irish funeral you know because they're so big and it, it hap- it's so fast you know like in the UK it takes weeks and weeks before someone's buried oh ridiculous yeah it's too long they're in limbo what is the story with that? I know. And I do think, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard to know the balance because in Ireland, like someone could die on a Monday and by the following Monday, everything is done. So it is. Oh, well, the Jewish community is faster because I worked in a nursing home and uh, the Jewish, the, any of the Jewish re- residents that died, they'd have to be buried within 24 hours. When did you work in a nursing home? Um, uh, God, it must be about 15, 15 years ago, 20 years 15 years ago. I worked in loads of um, restaurants and I worked, I was a cleaner. I worked in the garage. I worked in the laundrette. Um, I was a um, barrister, did coffees. Um, and then I worked, somebody I met, I was working in the uh, this restaurant and she said, you're minding everybody way more than is required. You're wasted. You need, she was an Irish woman actually in, London and she said you're wasted in here come with me and I know someone in this nursing home that you should be putting your efforts there and she was right and I went there and I worked there for two and a half years or something well you're looking after people as as they die it was it was there was a lot of palliative care involved but we did laugh a lot we had to all the carers and the nurses the doctors we we and the and the residents as well we would crack up on a daily basis um, because there was just some things that were just so so funny and lovely, you know, people losing their teeth and that kind of stuff. There was loads of, you know, say to somebody, you should if you're too cold, you should definitely keep your your socks on. Keep your socks on if because they were saying we're cold all the time. I said keep your socks on because your heat you lose heat through your feet. And they said that's a great idea. And then I walked past the room and they were wearing nothing except socks. <laughs> God, I love it. You need- <laughs> Bending <laughs> over, clean and something. I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, that's the kind of crack you need to get you through in a place like that. Yeah. 
I actually, I was doing my research earlier and I hadn't realized it was 1998 when you moved away. That's a, like, that's fucking ages ago when you think about it. And, and I Do just, you- I, I feel, but it feels, I, I, I might sound like a stupid thing to say, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you, you know, the way like there are certain people, you know, like Graham Norton or Darrow Breen, like, you know, that they're very much in the UK and, and have been for so long. But with you, it just feels like you're so here. Well, that's because I'm always there. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> I'm always getting flights. And like, I because when I moved over here first, I got so homesick, I actually got the shingles. That's how homesick I got. Couldn't stop crying. I missed my family so much. And, um, and I was there because there was a lack of work at the time. I was lack of gigs. All the gig venues were closing down en masse. It was like, I don't know what to do. And I ended up there and I thought, I have to give it a good go. And you don't want the shame of only going for a month or two and then after the big farewell of every the farewell parties, you know, you don't want to go, I'm back. <laughs> so I decided to try and stick it out, but I was so homesick. So I just said, right, that's it. It's an hour flight. I'm just going home all the time. And that's what I've done. I've, I've, I've probably been one of the major contributors to global warming on that one. <laughs> that, I, that, I recycle like mad to, to make up for that, I think. <laughs> good, good. Balance is key. Um, it's funny you say, yeah, but you know, the big farewell and the pressure then to succeed. My dad actually often talks about that. He's from, he's from Doolin in, in County Clare, but he... I know, lived in Doolin for a year. You did not! I did. I lived in, the, in, in a caravan in Doolin. That's where oh. I learned to play wrong. I ran away with a boy. And I got a job, I was only about 17 or 18, and I got a job in the Red Rose Cafe, serving breakfasts, me and my friend Catherine. And uh, I used to play in MacDade's, MacDermott's, and sometimes I'd go down the other, the other end to O'Connor's. Stop it. Yeah. My dad, yeah, my dad is one of 11, born and reared in, in Doolan. Wow, whereabouts? Um... Garrahy's Cross. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're such a massive family that the crossroads is called after my dad's family surname. But um, it would have been where the petrol station is in Doolan. The, that, the house at the petrol station in Doolan, that tiny little petrol station, that's where my, my dad grew up. Oh, wow. There you go. He's not mad. And my mom is, is from Ballyvon. But... Uh, oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. What I was going to say was my dad often tells stories of that, you know, people who would go away to America or to the UK or whatever, and the, and the pressure to, to seem like you were doing well. He said, like, lads, yeah. would be, lads would be coming home at Christmas and they'd come back with, like, the nicest leather jackets and, like, acting like it's just an everyday jacket they'd wear when actually they had saved up to buy that to wear it at home. Yes. And, <laughs> I like totally understand that. Yeah, because otherwise you're going away for a while, you know. They're all waving at you on the pier as you're leaving. And all the big parties and your friends giving you presents. And I just want to come straight home. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Imelda, your no laughing matter moment in life. Um, oh, God. That's... There's... Um, At the moment, what's in my head with, like, 
I mean, there's so many, there's so many, but mostly you can get a, a laugh out of stuff at the moment. Like, obviously, my mom has dementia, but we, and it is heartbreaking. But we do have loads of laughs with that. You know, you still have to laugh with that. Um, you know, with some of the things that happen and the forgetfulness and the words that come, go get all mixed up or whatever. And we do laugh. So it can't, it's not that. At the moment, the no laughing matter for me is, is anything to do with, with, you know, important issues like activism and um, tackling... Um, uh, well, my big thing at the moment is women's safety. That's my issue at the moment because, and I don't think that's a laughing matter at all. Um, uh, and especially with what's going, what what happened over here, and um, with that poor woman that, and then women protesting and them getting arrested for it, and it made me realise that we all have you know, these things that we do every day that have become normal, but actually shouldn't be. You know, like when you park your car during the day at a train station or something like that, if you're going, or if you're parking your car, you're thinking about it without even realising it, how busy that area is going to be, how far the car is, is it near a light, is it the end of the road, how quick could I get from from the, just say it's the train station to the end of that car park or if you're up in a multi-storey where's the nearest exit and you take all those into consideration every time I mean I was only watching them um, I was watching Shit's Creek last night which I love and um, there was a moment in it where the girl said oh I'm going out for a jog and it was night time and immediately I knew that no woman wrote that just like that because you think no she wouldn't no, no she's not you don't go out jogging at night. Nobody does. And it's, it just kind of dawns on you that this is kind of normal. And people are saying, put up more street lights. And you're thinking, actually, no, why don't you just convict people? <laughs> that would work. That would work way better than a light. Because most people, when you look into it, have multiple convictions. You know, and a lot of guys are saying, oh, it's not all men. Of course it's not all men. You know, it's like um, someone said to me, it's like having a tank of snakes and saying, Okay, there's like 200 in there. Two of them are poisonous. They're going to kill you. You're going to be afraid of them all or worried about them all for sure. And uh, um, I think, um, I think the, obviously the majority of men are amazing. Some of the I've wonderful men in my life. But, but when you look into things, you find out that um, the, the men that are hurting women have multiple convictions or not convicted at all because women aren't reporting them because they think there's no point in reporting it. So I think the statistics are all wrong because I think people have no idea of the reality of it because we just don't report it. I have things to lend my arm, as I'm sure you do, and ask any woman. And a lot of people said, no, that's not true. And then came on and said, actually, I asked my wife or my girlfriend and I am floored by what she just told me. Because we just don't even talk about it. So it's just part of normal life. So I think that needs to be turned around and changed. So I don't think that's the laughing matter for sure. I think women's safety, especially now that I have a daughter, I'm thinking, do you know what? I want better for her. And for, for, for um, it, it just, it, it improves everybody's life if, if people are safer. Yeah, I think, you know, because obviously then the whole hashtag not all men thing took off on Twitter and just the best response. Yeah. The, the best response I saw to that was, 
of course it's not all men, but it is all women. And that's just the perfect way to summarize it. it. Of course it's not all men, but every woman has a story and that's not good enough. Like, you know, little, like, and I, you know, I've been trying to think about little things as well. Like an alleyway, like say if I'm in, in Dublin city center, like if I park my car somewhere, I would rather walk 10 minutes around a block of buildings than go through one creepy looking alleyway. Cause I just, you're just it's yeah. scary. Or we thought when you walk past parks, um, you make sure to give a wide berth to any of the gates in the evening. You'd never walk straight past the gate of a park or anywhere like that. You'd always sometimes even cross the road to avoid that gate and then back on track again. Yeah. You know, it's 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 always in your head. You always have your car keys in your hands um, or in your pockets. You, you, you're thinking about things, all of them, checking things all the time. And um, I do, I, I'd love to see statistics on it where people rang up and named all the things that have, so they could act, people could actually get um, a better idea of what what the reality is and then deal with it from there because I don't think I don't think that's actually been noted I don't think that has been documented anywhere the the actual real reality of it just to see you know so that's my no laughing matter I love it yeah okay Imelda the person you always laugh with Oh God, I've well, Violet, my daughter, is the funniest little thing. I, she's the funniest little character I've ever met in my life, and so we laugh all the time. She's just, she's just a hell. Um, so her, I'm very lucky. My boyfriend is hilarious, so there's a lot of laughter in this house. It's and and my dad. Is we when we mostly laugh at me, dad, <laughs> and he doesn't mind <laughs> because he comes out with the funniest things, you know. So I'm I'm lucky. I'm surrounded surrounded by by laughter. How old is Violet now, and how has she found the whole pandemic situation? Has it been tough? Oh, she's great. She's a resilient little thing. She's brilliant. She's um. You know, being an only child, she was glad to go back to school to be with other kids. She missed other kids. But, no, she loved being home. And, she, you know, when I was working, um, I was trying to do... She didn't love homeschooling, neither did I. And when I was trying to work from home and homeschool, sometimes I'd put on Blue Planet and say, there you go. <laughs> That's education. That's educational. And she goes, this is great. <laughs> Can I have popcorn? Yep. <laughs> but it's 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 a fact. Like you know, I know, and, and you know, so many parents have joked about it throughout the pandemic. But it's actually true. Like even baking, you know, and you're learning stuff as you go, and you're learning like valuable stuff. Like you're you're going to use the bacon down the line more than you are x equals c two oh, feckin squared. We did a lot of bake, and then we could weigh and the weighing scales, and then check the time while you're waiting on that. What time is that going to be done? Was soon. I I I'd sneak learning in there without yeah. her realizing and then she cottoned me one time i know what you're doing <laughs> 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 i just want cakes <laughs> she she caught me one day and then it all went wrong but for a while i got away with it <laughs> and what hey, right. is that what would we have to take out of that to make it work you know <laughs> wait a second i'm learning <laughs> there were six in eggs in there and i took I took four out. How many? How many's left for later? You know. 
Oh, I love it. Okay, right. Imelda May, the time where you had the last laugh. Well, again, I'm not going to tell you, like, there's loads of stories where I could tell you about people saying, I'll tell you a one and a half. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, I want the juicy ones. I don't want, you can't just, you can't just float about and pretend you're not wanting to say them. I want the juicy story. No, no, no. I'll, I'll give you one and a half. Like one is some, like I had quite a few people saying to me that my poetry album, Slip of the Toe, it's poetry, it's an EP because it's shorter. Yeah. Um, that it wouldn't work. And I'm mad and nobody wants to hear it. And uh, I just thought to hell with them. I put it out anyway. And um, it's just gone mad. It's just so lovely. People are contacting me all the time saying how much it means to them and um, I really had to have a, I had to have a little bit of hell with that one, to be honest with you. Um, it was nearly involving solicitors and everything. It was, it was a bit of a nightmare. Um, uh, I won't go into it, but I'm really glad I stuck to my guns and did that. Really, really glad. Um, because it was something that I just wanted to do personally. And I'd been so creative and I'd written so much and I'd recorded it just for the fun of it. With um, I was supposed to be recording an album um, with Tim Brown and David Rossi, and I was going, you know the way you've been booked to do these songs? Well, we're not doing them. <laughs> we're doing the music to the poetry that I've already written, and here they are, and I opened me box full of poems, and then we worked on the music with, for them, and, and that was the EP, and it's gone really, really, really well. So I've had my last laugh at that. Good. But the other story that I wanted to tell you, if you don't mind. Yes. You get two of one. Because uh, I have to tell this story. Seeing, because it's funny, a lot of these stories I've never told. It's when you're asking these beautiful questions. It, it, it's lovely. You get, I have to say, sometimes you get so sick of being asked the same questions all the time. Thank you. This is lovely. Um, um, so... So my auntie Pat was dying. Um, she had fought breast cancer for a long time. And um, we knew she, was, she wasn't doing well. Anyway, we went up, me and my mom and dad were in the car and I just landed. I was coming in for Christmas, that's what it was. And uh, they're in Kilbarrick. So they said, we'll swing by from the airport We'll get to and we'll see Auntie Pat. And I said, that's great. My mum gave me this box all wrapped up and said, that's for Auntie Pat, you give it to her. And I said, oh, that's lovely because I, I hadn't got anything to give mum at a few bits. So we got into the room and uh, into the house. It was great to see her. And I gave her this box. And then uh, I was chatting, meeting up with some of the others and the cousins coming in and having a little yap. And then I turned around and then Auntie Pat hands me this, this lovely, this, this lovely, um, this box. And I opened the box and I go, went, oh, thanks so much. You shouldn't have. That was really nice. You shouldn't have got me out and back. Just that's, I don't need anything else. That's lovely. And then as I was in the car when we were leaving later on, I unwrapped this and I was going, oh my God, this is a really beautiful candle. And mom said, that's weird. I got her candle. She said, what's like? I said, it's a purple candle on a gorgeous purple stamp. It's very unusual. My mom said, that's mad. That's, 
what's the odds of that? She said, isn't that weird? She said, how Andy Pack got you the same candle as I'm after getting whore. And apparently as we left the house, they were all roaring laughing that I handed her a box. She felt too weak to hold it. And then when I looked back again, she just handed me the box back. And I went, oh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Andy, but you shouldn't have. Stepped up. <laughs> and they were all laughing in the house with me walking out with the present I just handed her. Us sitting like morons in the back of the car. Because I think it was in a bag when I gave it to her or something, you know what I mean? And she just handed me this box back. I thought it was a different thing. And mam gone, isn't that coincidence? <laughs> you a horrible, horrible niece stealing candles. <laughs> and the, the, they said that was the last proper belly laugh that me auntie pa had before she died. They said she would hardly catch her breath. Um, <laughs> she was just roaring laughing how stupid it was. And then the fact that when I found out, I didn't give it back. I still have it. <laughs> and every time I... Every time I look at it and I light it, I always, I light it for a few minutes because I never want it to go down because I always think of Auntie Pat on that one. I love that. I love that story. Okay. Imelda May. So last... that, that was literally our last big laugh. Isn't that nice? Fab. Love it. If laughter wasn't the best medicine, Imelda, what would be? If laughter wasn't what? The best medicine, what would be? Um, Wine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say my art, my music, my poetry. No, a bottle of red. <laughs> well, we've just been talking about homeschooling, so <laughs> I definitely needed a glass of wine at the end of the night after that. <laughs> what do you, are you, are you a red or a white drinker? Oh, red. Beautiful velvety red and I'm delighted with myself yeah fab now I'm not saying this to to suck up to you but you look so fab and like I like you always look fab but like how do you stay looking so feckin fab and so young oh my god that's so nice I think I've, I just had a shower and put some makeup on that's it <laughs> there's nothing loads of laughter good food good wine good sex <laughs> Oh, you have to have that. That goes without saying. Use it or lose it. (laughs) (laughs) That's my motto. Okay, right. Are you ready for your quick fire round? Yes. Okay. The actor that always makes you laugh. Um, I would say Will Ferrell. Brilliant. Perfect. Yep. He always gets me, or I do love Jane Wilder and Richard Pryor. I love them always in movies. But I'll go with um, Will Ferrell. Okay, the actress that always makes you laugh. Um, Maya Rudolph. She when, Once I see her in something, that's it. I know it's going to be brilliant. I know she's going to be brilliant. I, do, do you know who she is? Do you know her. For? Oh, act yeah. like queen. Love her. I love her in that. And her face says it all. She's brilliant. So Maya Rudolph and um, Sharon Horgan. I love Sharon Horgan. Yeah. She's so, so dry, deadpan. I love her as well. Okay. The movie that you always laugh out loud at if you see it on the TV. Oh. 
God, that's a tough one. I did love, and, and that changes, you know, when you see it a million times, then you need a fresh one, don't you? <laughs> um, I did love Sisters. I haven't seen it. I love, I've not seen Sisters. Oh, you have to see Sisters. Tina Fey and... Um, Amy Poehler. Yes. And that is so, so good. They're, two, they're sisters and they're, they, they have to get out of the house. They're older and their parents are like, get out. And they decide to throw this big last mad party. It's a little bit nonsensical at the end of it, but it's very, very good. I like that movie. Okay, the comedian you always laugh at. We did that one. No, we didn't. The actress, you know, like a stand-up. Oh, God. Oh, um... I'd say comedian Goldie Hawn. Oh, fab. Classic. Yes. She's just brilliant. She's just absolutely br- brilliant. I love her. No, you can't go too far wrong. Yeah, love it. But stand up. I'll get back to you on the stand up. Okay, well, um, to, we'll set up another Zoom when, when you've when you thought of the stand up. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, Imelda, your best or worst joke? Oh. Oh, 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 okay. I've loads of jokes. Go on. I, I'm, I'm, I spent way too long on tour buses. They're mostly filthy. Go on, uh, the filthiest. Do your worst. It was actually T-Bone Burnett told me this. I like this one because when I go for jokes, I'll go through them all. <laughs> so there's this guy goes into, this man walks into a bar and he sees, um, he sees a big jar of money on the table. And he's going, what's the story with that? And they said, well, that's a, it's a, it's a forfeit, it's a bet, but um, a dare. And you have to put, he said, that thing is full of money. And they said, yeah, it's gone up. You have to put a uh, hundred quid in. And it's thousands in there at this point, but nobody has ever done it. And he said, okay, well, right, I'm in, I'm in, I'll do it, let's go. So they said, okay, first of all, you have to drink uh, a pint of our homemade chili vodka and then they said we have an old dog out the back that has a bad tooth and you need to take the tooth taken out and then he said and my granny is upstairs she's in her 90s and she's always said she'd love to achieve orgasm before she dies she's never achieved orgasm so man said yeah right let's go you're on bring it on so they bring him out the chilli vodka. Everybody's shouting at him, go, go, go. He downs the whole thing in one and he's, oh, the heat is kicking him. The vodka's gone to his head. So he runs out the front door. They go, 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 go. Out he goes. And you can hear, arr, arr, arr. And he, ah, he can, ah. And then he comes running in and he's totally torn apart. He's in bits. There's blood hanging off and bits of skin. And then he goes, right, where's that old lady with the bad tooth? <laughs> love it love it love it, love it. I'm oh. sure you'll better <laughs> Imelda May thank you so much for sharing the laughs of your life thank you very much thanks for having me thank you for listening to the laughs of your life podcast with Imelda May I hope you enjoyed it. Lots of great episodes. I know I say it every week, but I mean it to come this season. So don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review and all those other things. This podcast is recorded with Collaborative Studios 
and is brought to you by Aussie Hair. Great hair, no worries. Music